Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special edition of Beyond the Album Cover with Jarrell Mason. We're going to talk a little bit about music, but primarily for this podcast, we're going to talk about one of my favorite pastimes, playing video games, whether it's regular Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, when I was dead, broke man, I couldn't picture this, RP, Christopher Wallace. So we're going to talk about all of that stuff with my main man, my brother from another mother, we met back in the day in college, so we're going to talk about esports and the whole nine with Mr. Isaac Crumpton. Isaac, welcome to Beyond the Album Cover, bro. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So it's good to be here. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to be here talking with you. And it's been a minute. So tell the people, how did you end up in Greensboro and how did you find your passion for playing video games? All right. Well, um, in Greensboro, you know, that's where I went to college and everything. And, um, you know, it's like I've always had like a, a passion, you know, for, um, you know, video games and everything. Um, I, I say like, I mean, it goes all the way back to I'm wearing my Contra shirt right now, you know, and um, it goes Flex all the way them. back to around that time. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, my dad, he had uh, brought that game for me as a boy and stuff. And it's just like, you know, it just. I just fell, I mean, fell in love with it, man. So, you know, and, um, you know, eventually I started learning about, you know, codes that are in different video games and stuff, you know, and um, Blockbuster was the thing back then to get your video games from and stuff. So um, we would go there, like, almost every weekend to, to pick out a few games and stuff like that. And, you know, you could read them for, uh, what, two, three nights, but, you know, read them on a Friday, turn them back on, you know, on a Sunday and stuff. And, um, yeah, man, that, 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 that was some, a good time and stuff. And, um, you know, we eventually moved and, Movie Max, that was another video game store. And stuff. I think that was more on the mom and pop side. You know, Blockbuster was more commercial. You know, you saw the commercials and all that and stuff. But uh, Movie Max, you know, I, I remember every Friday, that's when, you know, my mom would get paid and uh, we would go to the gaming store and, and uh, rent a game and stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, your friends would get together and everything. Now you can do gaming like online and stuff with different people. You know, some of them you know, some of them you don't know. But back then you had to all like sit together and be together and stuff. And then, you know, that kind of gave you, you know, a different feel, you know, different fight days, uh, feel that you're playing with people that you know and everything. I mean, we would play for hours, man, hours and stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, after that, we'll talk about the game and everything and stuff. It, you know, to this day, man, I'm still close with those same guys I used to, you know, play different games with and stuff, you know. Uh, but yeah, you know, so many classics out there. You know, listen, I mean, more than just Contra, the list goes on and on and stuff. You know? Right. Because I never really realized the whole communal aspect of you and your boys playing video games together and you're chatting, trying to figure out different strategies on to beat it. And then you had some games where it required a multi-tap adapter. Now, for those of you that are too young to remember, older consoles like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, they would require a special piece that you would have to add on to the control port so that way you could get four players to play. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's so true. That's so true, man. And, uh, you know, you, you would just uh, have the four players. Certain games would allow four players and everything, and um, you, you, you could, you know, have a good time with that. <laughs> yeah, but I can relate to the whole Blockbuster thing because in my neck of the woods, we had Blockbuster and a mom and pop a video rental spot called Entertainment Connection where if Blockbuster didn't have it, then you would go to Entertainment Connection. You were going to pay a little bit more because it was a mom and pop, but they were a reliable backup. And also the local gas station in my neck of the woods also did video and game rentals. 
Yeah, man. Awesome. So it, it definitely, you know, brings back those childhood memories and stuff, you know. Uh, I, I've noticed that a lot of the newer games and stuff, they're starting to, um, you know, pull out from the older games when I was coming up and stuff. And uh, believe it or not, I took it. I took a long break from video gaming. Uh, you know, I, I say back when I got into like high school. I mean, up until probably like right now. And so, I mean, I, I collected them on and off throughout the years and stuff like that. Um, but um, you know, as far as like playing them, like I used to as a kid, I, I kind of stepped back from them and stuff. You know, because I guess it was just kind of instilled in me to you know go to school and uh, well go to college. You know, do, make good grades and everything like that. And you know, but I mean, I, I looking back, I kind of could have probably just, you know, kept doing what I was doing with video gaming. You know, <laughs> you know, I, there's a lot of good content that came out between, uh, you know, my high school years and now and stuff like that. And, you know, I just feel like, you know, I, you know, I should have balanced it a little better as far as, um, you know, keeping up with a lot of the good stuff. But yeah, the, um, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. So tell the people, where did you attend college for undergrad? Undergrad, I went to the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. So, yeah. Spartan Pride, you know what it is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, did you end up staying in the hood part of UNCG? You know the hood part of UNCG. Cone, Reynolds, and Grogan. It was like tucked back in the cut. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, man. I, I was I was in Grogan. That was my freshman year hall. Grogan Hall Word. and stuff. Um, That was yeah, man, that was that was some good time. Yeah, it, the hood—that's what they call broken hood stuff, you know. And um, yo, yo, yeah, I was on the eighth floor. I was on the eighth floor, so there weren't a lot of people up there. I think you know the other floors—they they had like a lot of the, the people. I mean, my my floor was pretty quiet, but you know, yeah. I guess that was a good thing. Mine was opposite. <laughs> I was on the third floor, uh, freshman and sophomore year. But as you and I both know, with both of us going to UNCG and college in general. Good time to get in on some video game tournaments. You go to somebody's dorm room who got the PS2, who got the PS1, who got that brand new Madden, and you just run it back for hours. Yeah, yeah, man. Those tournaments and stuff. I'm, yeah, every a lot of people can relate to the tournaments that were had in college and stuff. You know, gaming is it, just a way to bring everybody together and stuff, the new people and everything especially you know coming to college and you know getting to know a lot of the new people gaming was like that probably the main way to you know meet people and stuff one of the ways mm, <laughs> yeah so taking it back with uh nintendo now i know nintendo is infamous for pretty much having exclusivity with their games where they don't really allow a lot of third-party developers to develop games on their consoles, do you kind of know the reason kind of behind why Nintendo was such a stickler for not letting third parties develop games for the NES? Um, I guess the first thing that will come to my mind is probably like the money, you know, that's involved in stuff with, um, you know, letting their, their um, proprietary type uh, games out, out there and stuff. So they kind of try to keep it exclusive. So I think it would be around money, you know, that, that the you know company wants. I mean, I think there's some, several documentaries out on uh, Nintendo. Nintendo wasn't always a, um, a, a a video game company and stuff. I think they started off something else and stuff. But they've been around longer than most people know. Like, I think the early 1900s and stuff, you know? Um, you know, so I mean, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely around uh, money as the, you know, short answer to your question you know, on the reason why, uh, you know, they, they try to keep their items change i think it was like in the 50s whenever nintendo switched to whatever they were doing to you know games and stuff you know 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Nintendo, you know, they, they also saved the um, video gaming market. So I think it's uh, a story in 1983 where Nintendo, uh, you know, when I think uh, when the gaming video game market was going, I think the game E.T. was released. I actually remember that game. I mean, we had a Atari, um, you know, whenever I was a boy. And so it was the game E.T. that was released. And it, it, it just, it, you know, I, I guess it just flopped and everything. And um, but Nintendo came in and, you know, with the new Mario and uh, I think families and you know, kids and everybody just fell in love with it and it just took off from there. So, <laughs> Yeah, with the video game Crash of 83, it was pretty much a dark period for video games. You mentioned the E.T. game on the Atari 2600. They actually took all of the leftover cartridges that didn't sell and buried them in a landfill in Alamogordo, New Mexico, which is about six hours south of where I am in New Mexico. Wow, 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 wow. That's, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, man, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine, like, disposing a bunch of video games. I said, let me just play it one more time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if you look at the Atari, it was groundbreaking for its time, you know, with Pong and then later on Space Invaders and the various gaming systems and cartridges coming out of Atari. But the joystick it kind of looked more like something you would see for a airplane game with the one joystick and the one button. And it didn't really allow a lot of freedom of movement while playing because pretty much you had to sit stationary by the TV and almost literally stare at the glass or through it at least in order to play the game. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. The, the, um, you know, the controllers is what I, I, I remember, you know, and, um, you know, I, I just think, um, you know, gaming has come a very, very long way man, and stuff. You know, I, I actually have one of those flashback consoles for the um, Atari and everything and stuff. I, I wish, really wish I would have. I mean, I kept a lot of old stuff, you know, um, with the Nintendo and everything. Um, but I really wish I would have kept the Atari that we had and stuff because um, the flashback consoles are like built in games. Whereas the Atari, you had the little black cartridges that were, you know, they were a little smaller. They were more bulkier than the Nintendo ones, but they were just, you know, a little smaller and stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, 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 that's, that's a very memorable console there. So. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the NES and how in 85, Nintendo single-handedly pulled the video game industry out of the pit of despair and they were reaping the riches off of it, thanks to a little plumber by the name of Mario, which made his first his first appearance in Donkey Kong, and then the various spinoffs of Mario Brothers. So can we talk about the company and the controller that's on your hat, the NES controller, where you're always playing with power? Yeah, man. Yeah, Nintendo, man. They, they, I mean, that, that's, that's my total childhood, man. And you know, it's like everything that, you know, you know, Nintendo was just like, you know, the controllers, they were better than, you know, what we had before, before its time and everything. And, um, you know, and um, they, they weren't as complicated. The games were pretty, you know, simple. I, I remember playing Mario and getting a Nintendo for Christmas as a boy and stuff. Um, my next game after that was Contra, you know. Um, then, I mean, the games were like, I mean, systems, they, they, you know, they can, a new system can bring out, you know, one thing. But, um, you know, it's the games that really kind of, you know, stick with you more and stuff, in my opinion and stuff. And, you know, I, I felt like, you know, the games that, you know, Nintendo had for its time were, were pretty good. You'd had the um, uh, 
turtles, turtles, you know, that that's another big thing I wanted to bring up and stuff, you know, they're, they're coming out with a new turtles for, for Vince now. But uh, I, I remember the turtles that came out on the console, the arcade, you know, that they had and everything and stuff, you know, um, you know, I, I was a big, big, big fan of turtles back in the day. And uh, just seeing that and stuff. And uh, not only um, with the Turtles franchise, uh, you know, Mario, you know, Super Mario 3 was very epic and everything, you know. And uh, I, I kind of remember how um, McDonald's and Nintendo had a partnership back in the day with, um, with uh, you know, with their, their gaming and, uh, and everything. So you would get, um, you know, I, I, I vaguely don't remember, but there were um, Happy Meals that you could get you know, that were Mario Happy Meals and stuff, you know, but um, yeah, man, but I, I definitely, what I do remember about the um, Nintendo and McDonald's, like, I guess, partnership um, was that, you know, McDonald's back then, it was for kids and everything, so they would have the playpen, and they would have, like, different video game setups at some of the McDonald's, not all of them, and uh, you could just go up there, kids could go up there and just play the games for free and everything and stuff, so, um, you know, it was, whenever I was um, in town and stuff, you know, I grew up in Lumberton, but Fayetteville was the one that had it, which was about 30 minutes away. And we would visit Fayetteville a lot. That's where my dad lived. And, um, you know, we would, uh, I would always ask, can we go to that McDonald's specifically? You know, it was a little further out, but, you know, from where, you know, where my dad was at. But, um, but yeah, man, we, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, very good experience there. Because I, I would go there and, you know, spend maybe less than $5 on a meal back then and just game for hours man so <laughs> man back when it was all so simple the mcdonald's in my neck of the woods didn't have the gaming area the bigger one in rocky mountain north carolina did so i got a chance to do that but the highlight for me was you remember how back in the day when you would go to let's say walmart kmart or sears and they would have the little gaming oh, yeah. station and they would have the, the demo disc yeah i just yeah, told my mama yeah, i'm yeah, gonna be right. right here you come get me when you die for <laughs> shopping <laughs> that's right that's right man i said come back and get you later i remember that you know they would you know have them set up right there they would be free and everything and stuff and you know i mean man a free game you know that that's a, a child's dream right there play a free new game and stuff you know and um you know but yeah i definitely remember that in the uh, different stores that were out you know there are there, most of them well kmart's not here anymore nope. but uh roses and uh you know walmart they're still around yeah very epic memories there man yeah, pour, pour a little bit out for Montgomery Ward and KB Toys. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, man. <laughs> yeah, I used to visit Montgomery Wards because we didn't have a Toys R Us. And the only thing I would do is stare behind the counter because that was where they kept all of the games locked and just window shop and kind of make a mental note, say, hmm, let me make sure I have this game circled whenever that JCPenney Christmas catalog came in the mail. <laughs> You're right, man. You're right. So, yeah, man, you know, epic times there. Epic times. Mm. You know? But um, um, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, then you would know the code based off of the shirt. Show the shirt again for the people that may be watching. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you grew up playing this game, which I never beaten. <laughs> you remember this code, the Konami code. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start. Now, if you play any Konami game, that magical code that I've given you would unlock different codes, but for Contra, it was infamous because of what reason, Isaac? Yeah, the 30 life code, yo, 30 life code, yo, yo, 30 lives, because Contra would only start you off with um three lives, yeah, three. three, and, um, you know, that, that was pretty tough because you had to get through eight levels, 
So, um, you know, that was, yeah, I think, yeah, it was eight levels in the game and stuff. And, um, you know, they, they were pretty difficult levels and stuff, you know. Um, Contra didn't have the ability to uh, select difficulty of it, like easy, normal, hard and everything. It was just the same thing for everyone. So it's like, if, if you know, if it was too hard, you, you, you just had to either um, practice with the, just the three lies or use the code, you know. So, so um, yeah, yeah, Contra was, um, it, it, it was a great game. It, it is a great game, stuff, you know. Um, yeah, awesome game. Yeah, so were you able to beat Contra without the Konami code, or did you have to put the Konami code in in order to beat it? I think I've only done that one time in my life. Um, I was living out in Winston-Salem for uh, grad school. I was 24, and, um, you know, it's like, you know, I, I just started playing it, and, you know, I was getting through the levels, and I finally got through it. I beat the whole game one time without the code. So um, I tried to do it again in a couple of my lives. It didn't go too well, but, I mean, you know, but maybe one day I'll – I'll get it back before I get too old. <laughs> Man, that was back when being a game was an accomplishment because you got to think about it, kids. There was no internet when we were coming of age where the only oh, closest geez. thing you got was you had to call the gaming hotline and hopefully your mom or daddy didn't see the phone bill or spend $20 at Walden Books or whatever bookstore to get the gaming books that have the secret tips and tricks. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, man, I, I remember those times and stuff, you know. You know. Yeah, because I can remember paying almost 20 bucks to get a book for Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 for the arcade version where I like Mortal Kombat, the only knock that I have is that the moves are very specific, where it's not really an easy pick up and play for a casual gamer where you really had to know the in and outs of the fighter that you selected in order to pull off combos or finishing moves. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat, it, it was, um, you know, definitely, um, you know, a trendsetter and stuff, you know, and everything. And, you know, as far as, um, I think, uh, rating video games and stuff, you know, um, I, I think, um, they, they, they were, um, uh, what's the right word? Uh, um, not scrutinized, but well, kind of, you know, in the sense where gaming's had to get like labels on, um, you know, like different movies would get labels and stuff based on like, you know, the finishing moves and, and everything and stuff, you know, um, you know, that were in the game and stuff. So yeah, yeah, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, because if you remember the different ports of Mortal Kombat, uh, Sega, they didn't have blood, but you had to put in a special code at the beginning of the screen in order to get blood to be enacted. Because Scorpion would say, get over here, once the code was put in correctly. <laughs> and then if you play the Super NES port, it substituted blood for sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, um, you know, good, great, valid point, you know, in, in, in those days to make and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, the code uh, for Sega, that's the one I played the most was the second one because, um, you know, I had got to say I didn't get a super until way later and stuff. But Sega, the code was Abacab. It was A-B-A-C-A-B-B. And um, that code, um, you know, you'll, you'll hear the scorpion uh, get over here and stuff, you know. And, um, you know, that it just made the game more, more, real, more realistic, more interesting and, and everything and stuff, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it definitely, um, you know, was an eye opener in, in the gaming stuff because before then, um, 
you know, I think the closest thing to Mortal Kombat was probably Pit Fighter. You know, that was a, a, a smash hit arcade and stuff. That was a fighting game, but it, it was nowhere near to like finishing moves and everything, everything like that. So, so preceding Mortal Kombat, there was a video game that originally came out in 87. It was pretty much kind of story based where you could only play as Hadouken Ryu, but then in 1991, <laughs> They reformatted yeah. it and it became the worldwide phenomenon of Street Fighter 2, which brought to us Ryu, Ken, Guile, which his theme goes great with everything. Blanca, Chung Lee, E Honda, and Cruz. So what makes you think is the longevity behind those two franchises, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, to where generations are still playing those two separate uh, mediums to this day? Oh man, like the longevity that, that was in uh, uh, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. I mean, there's so many things like Street Fighter. Well, I'll start with Mortal Kombat. Um, Mortal Kombat, I, I think the finishing moves, that, that was like, I, I want to say the first thing they had. There were other games that I think tried to get on that same level and everything. I think there was Primal Rage and Eternal Champions that had a little part in there where you could do a finish move. But I think Mortal Kombat is the one that uh, started it and, and, and set the bar on. Um, you know, how to, how to do that. Well, uh, Eternal Champions, they, they were pretty good, but, you know, I, I think, um, you know, Mortal Kombat was the one that, that, that had the longevity. And the new characters, you know, the, the characters, uh, you know, um, they, they just had all different types of characters in Mortal Kombat. I'm like, how did they come up with this stuff, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And then Street Fighter, oh, man. Um, you know, they, they had, uh, you know, uh, man, it's just the memorable moves, the, the Hadouken, um, the uppercuts, you know, that Ryu and Ken would do. Um, I think uh, Street Fighter, in both Mortal Kombat, they both had movies, you know, um, that, that came out in the 90s and after that. I think there was one in, in the um, early 2000s for Street Fighter, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, yeah, the movies and everything. And um, uh, what else? What else? You, you had the paraphernalia, you know, as far as, um, you know, toys and stuff that resemble Street Fighter and and everything and stuff and the marketing the marketing that took place with those two games i think that's what you know contributed to its legacy as far as um well it's longevity as far as uh being around to this day and stuff you know um and it just kept getting better and better and better you know um yeah right and i'm definitely looking forward to that new mortal kombat movie that'll be dropping next month although i am tight that we're not getting a johnny cage cameo we're getting fatalities and scorpion sub-zero looks great yeah yeah, yeah, 100% agree, man. It's, yeah, yeah, it's ready for it. I'm so ready for it. As long as it's better than Annihilation, I'm good to go. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, because that was trash. Now, back when we were coming up, arcades were the epicenter of everything because that was the highlight for me going to the mall. I asked my mom, can I have $2? So I go to the arcade and by maybe 20 minutes, depending on what game I played, that was gone because you really had to be strategic with what games you play in the arcade because some games were 25 cent a play. Some games were 50 cent a play. So you knew if you were going to play, let's say, NBA Jam or a sports game, that was going to eat up all your money because it was 50 cents, a, 50 cents a quarter. So your $2 would be gone after one play of NBA Jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. NBA Jam was the game that... um took, took uh, more quarters where I, I was at too and everything. And yeah, you definitely had to be careful of uh, how much, uh, you know, how much you would spend on everything on, on different games and stuff, man. And 
everything. I I just uh you know I, I'm arcades were just such a big thing in the 80s and 90s and stuff like you know and I just definitely um just I mean the experience is great and stuff you know being able to you know play those games and, and everything and, and stuff you know but yeah arcade NBA Jam you know that was probably my uh, favorite basketball game probably to now you know what I'm saying because I mean. It, to me, you know, it was just kind of easier to kind of play it and stuff, you know, and, and everything. So, and the dunks were just like, what? You know what I'm saying? For his time, for his time, you know, they had the different sayings, boom, shakalaka, and, and all of that. And stuff, you know, or is it the shoes? Yeah, he's on fire, you know? <laughs> yeah, we so, still um, say you know, it that was definitely, you know, Yeah, man, we would just uh, trip out. There was an old trip me and my friends with. You know, talk about on, on on the games. Oh, and also they had secret characters in NBA jams too. You know, um, you you could uh, select different people, and so I can get all the people, all the people that you could select and everything. But uh, there was different codes that you could put in for the initials when you first log in. You could um, have that character, and I mean, it would be hard to kind of tell who the character was because of the um, type of uh, limitations that those systems had for us time, the sixteen bit and stuff. But, um, you know, the, I think for us, we were like, okay, that's who it is. That's who it is. You know, you can pick them, you know. So. Yeah, because I remember. <laughs> just, just as yeah, because I remember buying NBA Jam for my Sega off of somebody. They had the game. Let me borrow it. And I told my mama I wanted this game. So she paid this person X amount of dollars. Uh, Statue of Limitations is up, though, for that game. And I remember me and my boys, when they would spend the night at my house just hanging out, we would play NBA Jam for hours. DIS start C button for Sega. That's the secret code to get George Clinton on the Sega port. <laughs> I remember in the arcade and the various ports, the secret characters varied. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. They varied and stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely um, you know, one of the most memorable basketball games that that, that I feel that that was out there on Sega Genesis and everything. Um, you know, there there were some good ones before that it was notable, uh worth mentioning. I, I think um, double dribble, you know, it, mm -hmm. it, it was good for his time. You know, you could, uh, you know, they had the, the picture of the actual dunk, <laughs> like up close and everything. And, you know, we thought for that time, we thought that was like, wow, that, that's just dope, you know, and stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, no, that is definitely um, a game that's worth mentioning, double dribble and stuff, you know. Yeah, Arch um, Rivals as well, because I think that was kind of inspiration oh, for NBA Jam. Arch yeah, Rivals. man, yeah. Yeah, Arch Rivals, the, um, that game. I think it, it definitely set a precedence to um to uh, not a precedent, but it, it set a you know it was the starting point for NBA Jam. Like that was the one basketball game that it had only two players like NBA Jams, and you could also you know purposely foul them, you know, because arch rivals that was kind of you know how how that worked. So to get the ball from another player and stuff, and uh you know that's what happened in NBA Jam. You could you know purposely foul someone and, and get get the ball back. Right, because I was a big Chicago Bulls fan, so I always picked pretty much either the Bulls or the Hornets every chance that I got. But I know Midway, they did a documentary last year called Insert Coin, which I haven't seen yet, but I heard that is good. And they were saying that for the arcade port of NBA Jam, you had Shaq, but on the home consoles, he wasn't featured on there. Charles Barkley was on the home ports, and then Reggie Lewis and Drazen Petrovic's they were on the arcade ports of NBA Jam, but once they both passed, they ended up taking them off of the home ports. And then Michael Jordan wasn't on 
the games anywhere because he owned his name and likeness. But they said that he specifically asked Midway to do a personal cabinet just for him. And I think Ken Griffey Jr. had the same thing done for him as well. Awesome, awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's definitely, um, you know, uh, big, yeah, big on, on, on everything, gaming pieces and stuff, yeah. Mm. So now <laughs> at the arcades that you visited, I know some games owners had where X amount of time limit because you didn't want somebody that would be hogging the game all too long if you couldn't afford multiple cabinets of the same game so that you could max your money. But I remember what I would do is I would take a walk around the arcade first, kind of scope out to see which game is packed, which game is not getting played. And if it's a game that's packed, I would walk around, go play another game. And hopefully by the time I was done with that game I was playing, that it would be less bodies. But I never did the line my quarters up on the console because rule of thumb, if you ever go to an arcade, if you see somebody have their quarters lined up on the console, that tells you that uh, I'm trying to beat this game. You can't join in. So I always would ask, like, hey, can I jump in? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, that definitely, um, you know, uh, was, was a rule and everything where, where I was coming up and everything. So, you know, the quarters were lined up. You know, it was probably, you know, best to just, like, hey, let me, you know, ask first and everything and stuff, you know. Um, you know, but there were definitely people who, um, you know, uh, took up a lot more time than what they were supposed to. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I was much of a younger boy back then and everything and would, would notice that and stuff in my memory and everything. But, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, common to just kind of like, um, you know, go to a different, there were so many that were in different places back then and, you know, go to another arcade and everything. And I mean, a lot of times when I, I went, there were people that were looking for help in some of the, um, you know, game like the beat them up type games and stuff, you know, um, they, they would probably look for a person to, you know, chime in and, and help out and, and everything. So um, most of the time, I, I think, you know, the, 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 the good, you know, was out there to, you know, go ahead and play and everything and stuff for, you know, for my, for my experience, you know, I had a pretty good, uh, a decent time with getting in on, on games that people were already playing. Yeah. Now beat em ups. I played quite a few. You mentioned the Ninja Turtles beat em up, which still revered to this day uh the simpsons beat them up i remember playing that heavily because walmart would have that outside where they would have the claw game but the one beat them up i never really played uh but everybody still loves to this day the movie sucked but the game is still loved and revered to this day and i'm talking about double dragon oh yeah yeah, yeah double dragon man that's you know another game from my childhood that just like you know, very that, that that stood out and everything. It was hard, as I don't know what, but it, <laughs> you know. And then Battletoads was even harder. But going back to Double Dragon, man. I mean, I I have the one, two, and three. Uh, I'll say um, three was probably my favorite. You know, um, that that was the one that uh, you know, it had the different countries that you could go to. You'll start off in the USA, then you'll go to Japan and China. And as you beat the bosses, the bosses actually becomes on your side. They get on your side and stuff. Um, the thing about Double Dragon 3 was that you only had one life, you know, and the game was just so hard. Uh, the special move was just almost impossible to do it whenever you needed it, um, you know. But I, I love the game. I like the little challenge like that, so, you know. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, we touched on Nintendo, but also right around 89, we have this console that debuted in America known as the Sega Genesis. And then they brought to us their mascot, Sonic, but they originally had this marketing tagline that threw shots at Nintendo where they would say Genesis does what Nintendo don't. So what do you think (laughs) was the main difference between NES and Sega Genesis? Besides one one was 8-bit and the other one was 16-bit with blast processing. Um, I think the main difference were um, probably the the graphics, you know. Um, Nintendo, uh, I think um, the Sega compared to the 8-bit Nintendo had a more... um, classier look you know like if you look at the um the Sega Genesis uh, I got one right here matter of fact um yeah. so if you look at the um the Sega Genesis here it's like more smooth round and everything like that and you know whatnot like you know this looks like a very um you know classier console whereas the Nintendo which I don't have in front of me right now it was more on like the bulky end as far as um you know, how it looked like and everything and stuff. So it was like you had to open up the case thing and, you know, and everything. And uh, the buttons were huge. It was always square. It was like a box thing, you know. And, um, you know, I, I think as far as, like, presentation, Sega had it, you know. Um, you know, but black is a more, um, you know, the color of it and everything and stuff. You know, it just had a look where, okay, this is the cooler console and everything. And then uh, the graphics on the Sega, they, they were also better and everything. So they, they really um, stepped it up, you know, in my opinion, Sega Genesis and, and stuff, you know. Um, this is that the Sega Genesis is actually the second model. The first model, it, it was kind of on, on the bulkier side, but I mean, they still kept the color pretty much the same. And I mean, it was red in that console and stuff, but um, but yeah, 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 that, those are probably some of the differences that um, I remember. Yeah, because yeah, I can remember the one thing that I hated about Nintendo was the fact that you would have to go through a bunch of rubbing alcohol. Q-tips and we'll have to blow the cartridge in order to get it to play or you will have to smack the console in order to get your game to play and if you had it sitting out on the floor don't let nobody trip over the court because your game will freeze up and you were done because there was no saving features depending on what game you played that's right that's right that's another important thing yeah you couldn't save on on a lot of uh, most of the games on uh, Nintendo and everything, and so once when it messed up, you had to start all the way back over, man. And you know, Nintendo's games, a lot of Nintendo games, they were not easy games. So if you got far in the game, that would be like maybe almost a deal breaker, definitely for me to to start back over. I'm like, I'm done. All right. <laughs> That's where you would have rage, where you would throw the controller at the TV, especially if you were at the last <laughs> level on Mario Three and you're about to beat Ooh. Bowser, and somebody trip. And the game just froze. Oh, that's right, man. That's right. You know, and stuff. I, I think Mario Three should have been the game that had that uh, save feature because I, I think it was kind of, you know, a pretty pretty long game and stuff. You know, mm. a lot of levels, a lot of different items. You know, I think that's one game where they should have put into that save feature. You know, like they did uh, Zelda. Zelda. I mean, Zelda was way longer, but you know, Mario. Mm. I think it, it could have. Yeah, but Mario 3, they gave you that shortcut with that whistle where you could hit that whistle, that tornado, and you would skip to the different levels. Now, are you familiar with the movie The Wizard that came out in 89 with uh, Fred Savage? 
Oh man, yeah, I, I I I remember bits and pieces of it, man. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I well, got to miss the, yeah. yeah, well, with that game, it was about a autistic boy who had a knack for video games. And the reason why this movie was significant was because it was the first time that anybody in the U.S. got to see Mario Brothers three, and they did a Nintendo Worlds, and it was actually an exclusive on the Nintendo World's cartridge. And actually one person ended up finding that in a yard sale and it went for a couple thousand dollars because like I said, it was the first time that anybody got to see Super Mario Brothers 3 before it got released commercially. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, man, I, I'll have to go back and check that one out. So he said it came out in 93, so that's, Yeah, it, you came, know, out I, in, it I, came out in 89, but it was pretty much a blatant tie-in for Nintendo because it was nothing but Nintendo products. It was the power pad, the power glove, pretty much all of the add-ons that uh, Nintendo had. Now, when they came out with the Super NES, what would you say the main difference was between the NES, the Super NES, and if it was able to successfully compete with Sega? Because Nintendo kind of had that reputation that this is for kids, and when Sega came out, it was more so for teens. Yes, yeah, that's definitely um, a, a good point to make as far as um, the market that Sega was targeting versus um, Nintendo and everything. But with the Super, I, I think they definitely... Um, definitely stepped it up and everything um you know instead of putting the game like i guess from the visual look instead of like putting the game into the the um port they, they were hard to get in and get out well get out uh, in my opinion as far as when they were like you know when they slot them in versus putting them into the top of the console which is something that uh sega and i mean atari did that too with putting the uh, game at the top of the console they're you know much easier to you know get in and out of the um actual console and stuff you know i thought that was a important piece that uh nintendo you know switched around to to uh do that um you know and uh the games on uh the snes um you know they they were they were pretty comparable you know to the um you know sega genesis and everything they, i mean you would say uh for example uh mortal kombat in uh in uh sega i mean mortal kombat in um on the uh snes and mortal kombat on the on the uh, Sega Genesis, um, the SEN, the Super Nintendo had more buttons. You know, um, the top buttons would be for like, for example, for um, Mortal Kombat, the top buttons would be uh, low kick or low kick, low punch, and then I think the X and B button would be the medium kick and medium punch, and then the Y and Z button for the Super would be the um, high high punch or well, the fierce one, the fierce punch and the fierce kick. So, um, you know, that's that was similar to with arcades. Arcades would have like six buttons on them and stuff. So um, Sega, I mean, the Super Nintendo, had six buttons, but for the uh, Sega Genesis, um, they only had four buttons, one of them being the start button. There was no set. There was no select button. And um, the three buttons that were on there, you know, in order to change from kick to punch, you had to push start if you had a three button controller, Sega Genesis controller. So, um, you know, that, that was definitely an advantage that I think Super Nintendo had over the um, Sega Genesis that had more buttons. I mean, Sega um, eventually released other controllers that had more buttons to, to compare with it. But, you know, I mean, you know, you, I, 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 the earlier consoles, there were only three button consoles. Yeah, every, yeah, because yeah, so. I hated the six button layout for Sega. I had it once. I was like, never again. I'll stick with the three buttons. 
Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those, those are some notable differences in, in uh, the two consoles and everything. And then, you know, eventually, um, you know, uh, the other systems, they, they begin adding more, more and more buttons to their controllers. I mean, you know, the 64 had the joystick and, and everything. So it just, it just became kind of like a common thing to, to add on uh, more than just two to three buttons as the earlier uh, consoles did, the 8-bit Nintendo and the, the 16-bit Sega uh, Genesis. Right, and then also at the same time with Super NES, NES, Sega, you also had the 32X, which was an add-on that you could put on top of your Sega Genesis. Atari had the Jaguar SNK had the Neo Geo, which was super expensive, but from what I saw on YouTube reviews, that was a pretty good gaming console, but the price point was super duper high. And then in 1995, a little company over in Japan decided to say, hey, we want to get into the gaming industry. And you know the button layout, square, triangle, circle, in X. So can we talk about the impact of Sony and the PlayStation? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I think this was a, a another major um, event in the gaming industry whenever um, Sony decided to, you know, step their foot into the gaming market and stuff. Um, you know, the PlayStation 1, I mean, by this time, I think Sega Genesis was kind of, you know, on the downward spiral, you know, 94, 95 and everything. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, PlayStation, they were kind of, they were stepping in and, you know, Nintendo, they, they, they were looking probably at new, uh, newer consoles. I mean, they were still probably releasing some of, you know, games in those years on those consoles, but, um, you know, it, it was time for somebody new to come in there. Year uh, 2000, what I remember was approaching and people wanted something more virtual, more, I think around that time it was about, you know, getting into virtual 3D type stuff and everything. And, um, you know, uh, you know, so um, I think, the Sega, they, they released the, um, you know, the Saturn in that period or, or, or in, in uh, you know, Nintendo, they, they came out with the 64 in that, you know, I'll, I'll say 94, 96 time span and stuff. Um, it, then once when uh, PlayStation came in, uh, a lot of their games, they were on CDs and everything. And uh, CDs were, um, they were pretty big back then. I mean, before CDs in general, like going back, I guess, the music, um, cassettes were the things. But now, is CDs, you know, and uh, CDs were more, um, you know, I guess more visually appealing to more people and everything. I mean, I, I mean, digital wasn't a really a thing for music just yet, but I mean, yes, yeah, CDs were, um, you know, more, more, more presentable than the, um, the cart cartridges and everything. And uh, people began uh, using the um, PlayStation One, you know, and it, it just took off from there and stuff. And it, it definitely um, put a, a, you know, was one of the contributors to kind of Sega you know, going a different route as far as uh, uh, their console uh, days and everything. Uh, but Nintendo managed to tough out, you know, that that, that, that time and, and stick around. I mean, the 64 definitely had um, some pretty memorable games on it. Um, you know, the 007, you know, the Mario game, you know, those are two games I, I, I remember playing. And Mario Kart was just like, you know, um, one of my biggest, or well, my favorite games on, on the uh, N64 and stuff. So uh, I, I think what pulled Nintendo, one of the biggest things that pulled Nintendo through were their um, their games that were, um, you know, exclusive to to um, the, 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 uh, the Nintendo. 
I, I think if um, Sega Genesis had a um, Mario Kart 64 on their console, Nintendo probably would have had a hard time to, um, you know, show their distinctiveness to, you know, other other um, companies and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think Nintendo's longevity stuck, stuck out because of uh, their games and everything and how they managed to, you know, keep up with, um, you know, the changes in the graphics and the video games and stuff. Yeah, Sega had Sonic and they pretty much ran Sonic into the ground because PlayStation, they had, you know, the memory cards and you had to make that tough decision of do I overwrite this game's data in order to save this? Now, back up a little bit, handheld consoles were huge too. Nintendo, they released Game Boy, Sega, they had the Game Gear, which what I had, they took a whole lot of batteries, but... I preferred Game Gear, but um, with PlayStation, like say it was a game changer, Tekken and all the games that came out of the PlayStation catalog. But I think the one gaming console that was underrated and looking back on it now, it was innovative, but because of PS2, it got overshadowed. And I'm talking about the Sega Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, You know, um very memorable uh, a console. I never had a dreams uh, me, a Dreamcast. I did, and um, you know, I've been, I <laughs> yeah, those those were um, you know that, that you know that that was around like you know my high school years and stuff. I kind of took a little break from gaming around that time, but you know, I always did want a, a Dreamcast because it's like um, I, I like Sega so much. You know, I mean, Sega just had the the, the games for me that I really like, like Streets of Rage, you know, I was a big, big Streets of Rage fan, you know, um, Streets of Rage 2 being my all-time favorite and stuff, um, you know, uh, you know, it, it took so long for them to come out with a new one, which was just came out last year, by the way, and, um, but, but yeah, Dreamcast was, um, you know, uh, one of the games that, you know, one of the, sorry, not games, but one of the consoles that, um, Definitely was, um, you know, it, it made its mark for for its time. I think it, it dropped in '99, uh, a little a little bit later and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, it was definitely, um, you know, I, I think it was um, a put forward. I mean, they had the um, the internet cap capability. You know, that that's something that the PS One didn't have at the time. You know, it didn't have well, PlayStation didn't have that at that time. Um, the PS Two didn't have the uh, internet capability either and stuff. So. Um, you know, it, it was definitely, um, you know, it, it, it set a step with um, gaming as far as it being, uh, you know, the, the Internet being uh, accessible on, on, on your console and stuff. You know? and, uh, but, yeah, Dreamcast was, um, you know, if, I, if, I, if it was up to me, I, I definitely would have had one. <laughs> yeah, I, I had it. And because Dreamcast was the only console, I think PS2 as well, had a home version of Marvel versus Capcom 2. And then they gave us the 2K series, which we all know and love, which leads me to my next question. We talked about Madden, touched on it briefly, and I mentioned the whole 2K series with NBA 2K, previously NFL 2K. Now we're seeing where either EA or 2K, they have a stranglehold on the market because there's no other company that can put out a basketball or football game because they own the exclusive license. So do you think that because of them owning the rights that is making it harder for other developers to come in and for them to have competition? Because pretty much you're paying the same version of the game every year since they're the only game in town. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's a huge, uh, huge factor in, in everything with um, other other companies competing for um, the, the, you know, rights and everything as far as, um, you know, releasing uh, similar content and, and so forth. Um, wow, um, Madden, I, I remember that game from back in the second Genesis days. I, Madden 94 in particular, I had that game and stuff. And, um, you know, it, 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 you know, definitely um, epic, another epic game worth, worth, worth mentioning and in, in this uh, in, in right now and stuff, you know, um, you know, I'm just glad to see like, you know, games like that with, you know, could could hang around so long in, in the gaming market and stuff. So when people like me return and stuff, it's like, okay, there's a sense of familiar, familiarity on uh, <laughs> on uh, what games to choose and what games to play and stuff, you know, I mean, because there's so much new content out there now and stuff. And just to see like, something from your childhood come back and be able to you know stand strong with all the new gaming new games and everything that's out now and stuff it's just kind of mm-hmm. you know it is it, 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 it's it's a good thing it's a very good thing yeah so, and so a lot the of group i feel is underrated as a maker of games and i feel that they don't really get a lot of credit was snk i mean king of fighters samurai showdown the the music that snk pretty much put out on their games they pretty much almost kind of sort of listened to what was going on over here and just pretty much kind of did their own version of it and that's why video game soundtracks if you look at it are very popular now because of the work that snk and also capcom as well did for the music for their games oh yeah yeah i mean i man capcom like i definitely remember as a kid humming the um mega man tunes from mega man 2 because their music was just so like, you know, it was different. Like, I mean, gaming music, I, I think that, that definitely puts the, the, the extra notch in, in, in making the game, game, your gaming experience even better and stuff. But um, Mega Man uh, definitely had um, some good tunes in it and stuff, you know. Um, you know, there was different uh, state bubble man, his stages. So I, I definitely remember humming that in school as a second, first grader and stuff when that game dropped. So Capcom, they, they definitely have, um, you know, had the notoriety and um, notoriety in uh, music and stuff, and, and keeping that keeping that strong. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And also remember a lot of people playing Running Gun, which was a basketball game that was made by Konami. Now it was very good for its time. For its day, Konami, like I said, put out great games like the shirt that you have, Contra. They did the Simpsons beat 'em up. Um, did they do the Ninja Turtles beat them up as well? Um, I think they did do the um arcade one, the arcade version of uh Turtles and stuff. You know, I have to go back and check that, but yeah, I think they did do the um the uh Konami did, yeah, they did release the um arcade versions of Ninja Turtles and stuff, right? And another game from the NES that I feel is the hardest game ever, which I've never been, I think I've gotten. To maybe the third or fourth boxer in this game, but I'm talking about Punch Out. Have you ever beaten oh. Punch Out without the code to go straight to Iron Mike? I'm talking Prime mm. Iron Mike before a tattoo on his face, Iron Mike before biting your ear off, Iron Mike. Well, he was knocking <laughs> cats out in 20 seconds, Iron Mike. Man, it, 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 I mean, I hate to say this, but. You know, I, I've never beaten Mike Tyson from the beginning. You know, that that's one tough character. I've been meaning to do it, but um, you know, I you know put my foot into it. You know, I got to really kind of buckle down and, and put my foot into it. But, 
you know, before I um get too up there, you know, the age and everything, I definitely want to, you know, get down and uh really get into the uh, Mike Tyson punch. I have it, you know, I've had that game for forever, you know. But um, Mike Tyson, man, is like, you know, it, it is a pretty tough game. I, you know, I think I saw one um, uh, a video that I, I don't even think Mike Tyson could beat Mike Tyson. So <laughs> I don't even think he could you beat know? Glass so, Joe. And I'm like, Glass Joe is the easiest because he was the first fighter. If you cannot beat Glass yeah. Joe and punch out, you suck. That's right. That's right. Yeah, man. He's the, the easiest one. <laughs> Yeah, man, he was the, the easiest one in the game. You know, he wouldn't do anything and, you know, wouldn't really punch you unless you punched him. And, you know, but, yeah, that, that was the easy, easy character there. Stuff, you know, so, yeah, pass the uh, stick if, if you're trash, trash on that. Now, with a lot of the next-gen consoles, Xbox and PlayStation released the new consoles at the court, fourth quarter of last year for last Christmas, and we're seeing with a lot of the newer consoles that gone are the days of having that big gaming archive collection where you can buy games digitally now. But the downside of that is that depending on what size console you get, your storage space is pretty limited unless you get an extension in order to have more storage space. Do you think now with this trend that we're going to lose that sense of community where you're going to go to like your mom and pop video game store and saying, I got this, I got that to where everything is digital and up on the cloud. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you know, I mean, change is good, but, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, with the way the internet and technology is now, um, you know, and the consoles are definitely taking, you know, taking advantage of that and stuff as far as uh, marketing their video games and everything and, and making them more playable and shareable in the, you know, gaming community. You know, a, a lot of this stuff is going to probably be based in, you know, embedded in, you know, different ways of, you know, technology and stuff, whether it's marketing or, or, or sharing, you know, games with other people and stuff. And, and everything like that and, and, and whatnot and stuff, you know. I mean, I, I definitely, definitely one of the people that, you know, kind of miss the old times of, um, you know, going to a, a store and, and getting a video game and, and everything. But um, the convenience that um, a lot of the things, a lot of the um, consoles now offer as far as getting a new game and playing it with other people and stuff, it's, it's, it would just be too competitive to try to bring back that kind of experience. I mean, it's probably possible and stuff, um, you know, you know, even the arcade uh, industry, like, you know, that, that was probably me as a boy. The number one reason why I would go to the mall, not the shop, but to go to the arcade. I had to go to a mall that had an arcade and stuff, you know. Same, same and, um, Yeah, man. And it's just like, I, you know, tell my mom, leave me here. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, those were some 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 great experiences. Yeah, it was either there or Camelot, because if you look at games now, how we mentioned NBA Jam earlier, and then they later came out with TE, which is pretty much an update of the original NBA Jam. So if they released that in today's time, only thing they would do is release the main game, and then they would do an upgrade, which you would have to pay X amount of dollars for. And then, of course, with gaming now with the microtransactions to where we're going to have you spend real money to get either fake money in the game 
loot boxes, certain characters, and certain upgrades. And I think that's where they're making most of their money at to where we were going to make it off the microtransactions or we're just going to update this game to death and you're going to have to pay X amount of dollars for the upgrade for the season pass with the secret characters and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, definitely a good good uh, good thing to mention and, and everything and stuff, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of you know, in a sense, I kind of feel like you know, sometimes the gaming, you know, stuff, gaming uh, consoles and everything, they're kind of nickeling and diming people, you know, with the subscriptions that you have to pay for and everything like that and stuff. But like back in the day, you know, we didn't have to, you know, once we brought the console, you brought it. The only thing you paid for was like maybe a few accessories, the video games, and that's it. But but now it's like, you know, there's subscri subscriptions that you have to buy to play with other people and, and everything and, and so forth and stuff. So, I mean, you know, there are definitely some, you know, those differences are worth mention mentioning and, and so forth. Right. And can we talk about real briefly uh, Killer Instinct, which to me is very, <laughs> very underrated. I tend to play with either Orchid, Jago, or TJ Combo. Then the best ones to play with, in my opinion. You know, um, I, I like, um, you know, Orchid. You know, she had, the, you know, a lot of the memorable consoles. But Jago was my go-to. You know, Jago was my, definitely my go-to. You know, the little short ninja, everything. And, um, you know, he, he was pretty good if you knew how to use them and stuff, you know. Um, a lot of his moves that I felt like on the controller, they were a little similar to um, – uh, 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 Ryu and Ken Street Fighter with the Hadouken and everything, you know, the you know, with the direction that you rotated the D pad, stuff, you know, um, those his moves were to me easier, you know, remember and everything. Like, I can pick up a controller, a SNES controller today, and still play with um, Jago, like I, I, I can, you know, with Ryu and Ken, uh, on Street Fighter and stuff, because those moves are just so, you know, memorable on, you know, in my head and stuff, you know, um. You know, but yeah, yes, Killer Instinct was, um, you know, definitely uh, another, um, you know, worth mentioning and stuff. I mean, it, it came out after, you know, the first Mortal Kombat uh, drop and everything. And, and they did have finishing moves and everything in there. Um, some differences is like, you know, Killer Instinct didn't go directly. Uh, Killer Instinct went pretty much directly into the second round. Once when your energy or your opponent's energy was depleted, you know, it'll, you know, start back over and um, you would go into the next round automatically. Whereas in, you know, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter 2, the round would end and then you will just start back where you started in the first round and, you know, standing that part far apart and stuff. So um, Killer, and, and I think the experience with Killer Instinct made it more um, realistic, more interesting, where you would um, just get up and spice your second round where you your opponent or you died it. You know, you just okay, this is where you were at when you got knocked down. This is where you're gonna start a new rounds. So. <laughs> mm. And Killer Instinct gave us ultra combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. That's right. Ultra. You know, Killer Instinct definitely um had the combos and started off the, I think the combos that um Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat didn't initially have. I think they have them now. And stuff, but the combos were definitely um, killer instincts. Uh, you know, I get the thing that made their game stood out, stand out more. You know, you could do ultra, master, super. You know, they, I mean, once you did those combos, they'll let you know on the screen this is the ultra account, this is the super, this is the master. You know, they made the combos stand out. 
that, okay, you're really beating this person up, you know? Um, the Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat didn't have that, like, stand out. I mean, the thing that stood out to me with Mortal Kombat was the uppercut. Once you uppercut somebody in Mortal Kombat, they go way up there, you know, so he's like, oh, he had to think like, you know, that guy would come out and make this sound like Cookie or I forgot what he used to say. Dan Ford. Toasty. Toasty. You know, yeah, man. So um, that, that stood out in um, Mortal Kombat. When you really got somebody with that uppercut, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, that, that really stood out. And, um, you know, uh, Street Fighter, they, you know, they, they had their times with the hot, uh, the uppercuts and stuff like that, you know, with um, how they would go so high in the air and everything and, and, and stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, Street Fighter had its, its, its moments and stuff. I think with Street Fighter, they had the speed. They had the hyper, you know, modes and everything of how fast you wanted to go and everything. So, you know, you, you would fight somebody like Chun-Li or Blanca, you, you know, you would be all over the screen trying to catch, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, on some of the the, the, uh, the matches that I remember playing. But, um, right. but yeah, just, you know, Mortal Kombat, that, that was definitely uh, their, their biggest thing was, you know, their, their combos stood out more. Right. And uh, Tekken was also out at this time too in Virtual Fighter, and they were different from the games we mentioned because they were... 3D based games, and that was rare at the time when yeah. Fighter and Tekken first came out to see a fighting game in 3D. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, that was definitely rare, and you know that that, that made them stand out. Yeah, exactly, man, and, and everything. You know, um, I mean, I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with Tekken, like maybe I, I could have and it should have, but you know, um, you know, but yeah, Tekken was definitely um, a memorable arcade game that you know stood out in the arcades and. Um, and and the home gaming consoles and stuff, and it, and it it's also had the um, longevity, um, you know, similar to the, the other games we mentioned. So it's still around to this day and stuff. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Some of the um, you know, Primal Rage that that was a dinosaur uh, fighting game, and uh, Eternal Champions. You know, um, well, Primal Rage was also on uh, SNES, so I'm kind of not sure why that game. Uh, couldn't stick around and everything. I guess because of the limitations on on the characters. I I, I guess I'm not exactly sure. You know, um, you know, but the uh, the uh, uh, Eternal Champions. I, I felt like that one uh, could have um, could have uh, made it as far as uh, you know longevity is, is, is to mention and stuff. You know, that, that was a great game as well. Right. And what's your take on the whole? esports phenomenon and then also the retro gaming phenomenon where our age range we're of that age where we want to go back to when we were kids sitting down in front of the tv playing a super nintendo sega genesis ps1 2 3 and you're seeing pop-up old school arcades uh barcades and pretty much 90s is in so what's your take on those two different phenomenons and do you think that we'll still see them going on yeah like um you know like me i'm definitely um a retro gamer you know i I like the the older stuff and how they're taking a lot of the old stuff and making it like new but still staying relevant to like a lot of the old uh games that are out there and stuff you know are that were out there and stuff um you know, I, I really think that this uh, phenomenon to, you know, bring back the 90s is definitely a, a great thing, and stuff, especially with the, um, you know, whole pandemic of people being home and, 
and everything and stuff. I mean, the new stuff that came out between, you know, since my childhood, I mean, it, it's been really good and everything and stuff. But I think people like to cling to what they know and everything. And being that I, I took such a, a long break from uh, video games and stuff, I mean, off and on break and, and stuff, you know, um, you know, it, it just kind of gives me a sense of familiarity of, you know, what games to choose from, what games to play, what games to buy, what games I'll be interested in and stuff, you know. Um, you know, so yeah, yeah. So and whenever um, you know, I, I see a game that's, that came out from a, a long time ago, more than likely I'm gonna wanna pick that one up and play it before a new game starts. <laughs> wow. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. So do you remember your most memorable video game run at an arcade? like your best run ever where either you were on your last leg, you beat a game completely, or you beat a game when you were down to your last 25 or 50 cents. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there, there were a couple that, um, that stood out and stuff to me. Um, the, uh, the X-Men arcade and stuff, you know, I just recently streamed that game and stuff, you know, that, that was a game that took up a, a lot of quarters, you know, and, um, you know, that, that was definitely a game that I spent a lot of time on, um, you know, trying to, to beat and, and everything. And, and it would take me a long time at the arcade to get in a lot of quarters and stuff, you know. So, um, you know, that, that was definitely uh, a game. And it, it was generally the beat-em-ups that I, I felt like, um, you know, I, I spent the most time on in my childhood. Like, I mean, I think in the um, versus games, like the Mortal Kombat that were at the arcades and stuff, I think after a certain level, the AI, you know, the AI in your opponent, especially if you're playing the computer and stuff, and not an actual person, I mean, it will, it you know, know your moves so well that you know you're not going to beat this person. <laughs> you no matter how many quarters you put in, no matter how hard you try and stuff, you know, it would get that that difficult, you know. So um, so yeah, yeah, it was generally the beat 'em ups that I remember that you know I, I spent the most money, the most time, and most 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 effort on and and, and stuff with the um. X-Men. The X-Men was was one. And I, I want to say one of the double dragons. So I think it was the first one that had the arcade stuff that I I I I, I pretty much um dedicated my my time and my life to, to 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 get to the final boss and the final stage and stuff, you know, and uh everything. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. I have two memorable runs of my own. Um first one was it was at Circus Circus in Las Vegas and they had an arcade area and they had Marvel versus Capcom 2. So I was playing it by myself and somebody wanted to hop in and get in. So they did, they lost, I won. More people ended up coming. So I gave seven people all the smoke in Marvel versus Capcom 2 because I tend to go with Ryu, BB Hood, no, 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 take that back, Gable, um, Gable, Gambit, and Ryu, because when they pull off their triple finisher, it takes a lot of energy because Gambit with the Royal Flush, Gable, Gable with the Viper Beam, and Ryle with the Hadouken, or BB Hood, because she has everybody shooting, it takes a lot of energy. So I would primarily go with that crew. And it was seven people I took down in a row. And then another one was, it was at Tilt in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. I was down to my last quarter and I beat X-Men versus Street Fighter on my last quarter. Wow. Yeah, that, that, those are some definitely um, 
notable games and everything, you know, to to, to put that in. I mean, that's dope, man. Uh, you know, the, the do the fighting games like that, you know, and, and so forth, you know. Um, you know, it, yeah, I think that's dope, you know, to be able to, you know, keep your spot, you know, because once when you beat them, they had to go and, you know, you get to stay for another round. It's just that kind of feeling after that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was <laughs> you know, an incentive with them. NBA Jam because with that, if you were the winning team, uh-huh. you got to stay in play. Yeah, stay in play. That's right. That's right. You know, and other person, they, they, they had to go, on, go ahead and go, you know. Yeah, man, that, 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 those are some good feelings and stuff with games and stuff. You know, I mean, I had a few moments and stuff, but yeah, beat-em-ups were my, 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 really my, my go-to back then and stuff. You know, I kind of like, like, like Turtles, you know, I spent a lot of time on Turtles Arcade and stuff, you know, played that a lot and stuff, you know, but yeah, yeah, Marvel Company, it, it, it would be a, I mean, you know, I guess there were so many people on those arcades, I kind of like, you know, let me just do Turtles. For me. <laughs> yeah, I was finally able to beat the Ninja Turtle beat em up when I went to Denver about two years ago. They had this arcade spot where you paid a certain price, but all the games were free play. So I was finally able to beat the Turtles beat em up with Michelangelo. And I was like, yes. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's you know, I, I mean, I'm noticing that a, 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 a few places that I, I go to, I can't remember the last one, but, um, you know, you can just pay a certain, you know, price and you, the arcade's pretty much yours and stuff, you know? So, yeah, yeah awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, because some yeah, of them, they also have, like, the home like ports. They have, like, the home consoles that you can play as well. And last question, I'm going to get you out of here on this. Your thoughts on, like, the arcade sticks and also what's legit, because we've seen a lot of those websites pop up. Some of them are kind of janky, and the others are like the real deal. So what's your take on the arcade sticks? All right. So um, I, I recently purchased one, you know, a retro uh, arcade gaming stick console and everything. Um you know, they're much less expensive than the PS5. I'll say that's one of the strong points. That's a good point and everything. Um, and they come with a whole bunch of games and stuff, you know. Um, you know, and I, I think the design of them are pretty great. Um, I think the controls, I mean, I'm not really used to playing with a joystick and like it, at home. I mean, in arcade, you expect that go to one. But at home, you expect to have a controller, you know. Um so, you know, I, I felt like there was a little limitation with that. But then, you know, playing it was it wasn't really too difficult. It wasn't really that difficult to, you know, get back into the playing experience, especially when you're playing a game that you only have played on an arcade like The Simpsons. That that was one. The Simpsons arcade. Like there were a lot of Simpsons games that were out there. It was, um you know, on the Nintendo and other consoles that I remember. But the um, Simpsons beat up arcade that that. Um, you know that that that's something that I've never played on a home console. That's, I've always played that on a um, arcade, the buttons and the joystick. So um, I I, I want to say that um, you know the experience overall was um it was it was pretty decent. You know the downside I, I felt like for the um the the gaming uh console uh you know I really wish I had the option to play with a controller versus the um joystick and the um buttons and everything. You know I really wish I could do that, but I mean, they're, they're up to four players on the um, on the uh, retro console and everything. But I think the first two players would have to use the console, and then the other two players can use the um, controller. 
but you have to buy a, an accessory for that, like an adapter to, you know, split the um, consoles. Um, I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of um, technical support. I mean, it was easy to set up and everything and stuff, but I mean, I, I don't feel like there was a whole lot of um, technical support as far as like how to get the other games and everything. But if you read the, the manuals are very, very, they give you, they're very, very detailed and everything, you know? Um, so it's like, you just kind of take a moment and try to, you know, read through them and stuff, you know? Um, I, I think they're, um, you know, they did a good job with, um, you know, giving the description on how to get the newer games added on from the internet onto them and stuff. You can add on games from the internet. Um, a lot of the games were um, in different languages, you know? That, I mean, that's one thing I didn't like, but most of the games were in English. So I, I thought that was a strong point with the um, retro content. I, I kind of expected that because, um, you know, I, I recently brought a, um, not recently, about two years ago, I brought like one of the mini Nintendo mini ones and stuff that came in with like a bunch of games loaded on it and stuff. And um, I did the same thing with uh, Sega Genesis too. I mean, I haven't played that one all the way yet. So I just recently brought that one like a month ago. But um, a lot of the games on the, the Nintendo mini, they were in a, a different like Asian language and stuff. I'm not too sure which one, but um, you couldn't read like a lot of the games that had dialogue in it and stuff, you couldn't really read. I mean, I, I don't I don't speak that language, so I don't know. So I mean, that's one of the things to look out for with the home retro consoles that that um that I that I'm talking about here and stuff. You know, um, you know, you just have to watch out for them. I mean, a lot of times you're just there to play the game, you know, um, and um, you know, so you know, you just kind of just skip over all of that and stuff <laughs> and just play the game. And so that, I mean, I kind of look at that, but um, uh, some of the games they they were um. You know, most of the games work, but there were some of the games that kind of like got kind of hung hung up in like they were reset on their own and stuff. So I'm like, man, you know, like when you buy something like that, you want it to be right, you know. So I would go back to the manual and they'll say, okay, you just have to re-download the game again and stuff, you know, which at first it didn't really click to me on how that worked. But now it's like I've got to kind of just how to, you know, do do that. And, um, you know, it, 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 it was – um. You know, I'll say I'm on the brink of that. It was kind of worth the purchase and everything just to get that experience back from the arcades and, and everything. I've never had an arcade uh, type machine until now. Stuff. And, right. um, you know, it, it's definitely something that I, I think was worth uh, worth uh, worth the experience. You know, right, right. It's definitely more convenient than buying a bunch of those different arcade one ups if you don't have the house space for different arcade one-up consoles although i do kind of want that arcade one-up nba jam one with jam te and hang time yeah yeah oh and that's another thing they came in the um the uh packages and stuff they give you like this whole um well i, I probably won't do it i probably get someone else to do it. whole way to like build your own arcade and then you'll put the gaming box that they ship you into it and um you know so i thought that was interesting on how you can um build your own you know, arcade custom box custom and everything. Cabinet. Yeah, custom cabinet. So they came, they gave specific instructions on uh, what the type of wood and everything like that that you need to um to make that and stuff. So I, I think overall, the people who made this, they really tried to, you know, give what they could and everything and stuff. So I, I, I give them, you know, a, a, you know, give them a pass for that and stuff. Right. So, um, but I, I don't regret the purchase, you know, I, you know, that, that I made for the, um, retro consoles. I would say that um, they're all not the same. You know, um, I've heard different stories about different ones, but, you know, my experience has been uh, pretty good with mine. 
Okay, cool deal. So definitely do your research, people. Make sure that it's legit so that you don't get gypped and all of that good stuff. So do you have any shout-outs you want to give before we wrap this interview and also plug social media where folks can see you streaming online your games? <laughs> well, um, yeah, so, um, you know, I just wanted to, you know, thank you for the interview and everything. This is the first one I, I've done and everything. And, you know, and I, I think gaming is a um, very, very good thing to do whenever, um, you know, you have some downtime. And, and you know, I think people who are in the game and they should, you know, worth it, it's worth looking into what kind of games you like. And stuff, you know, um, you know, so just figuring out, you know, what works for you as far as gaming and stuff. So, um you know, there, there's nothing wrong with uh, being a video gamer or anything like that and stuff. You know, that was kind of the connotation that came up whenever I was getting older and stuff. And, you know, I kind of knew the direction that people wanted me to go in as far as taking school more serious and stuff. So it, it benefited. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, just find games that you like and and just go for them, man. And and, and just keep, you know, keep sticking at it and, and, and stuff. And eventually the games that you haven't beat before, they're, they're going to be games that, you know, a piece of cake now and stuff, you know, and everything. I look at some games from the past and I'm like, there's no way I could have beat like this game and stuff. And then I play it now and I understand it better than what I did as a, as a kid. And I, I guess that's the way it goes with everything in life. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, social media, you know, um, I have a page, you just go to Facebook and type in Ike, the retro gamer, I-K-E, the retro gamer, um, that, you know, you, you, you'll get my uh, social media there and stuff pretty much. So, All right, so definitely um, go I'm, I'm, I'm also yeah, yeah, over there, and you can definitely check out a lot of my streaming videos. I'm also on YouTube as well, Ike the Retro Gamer and stuff. I have a channel there as well where I, um, most of my um, more current streams are on YouTube. All right, so check them out there, and you can catch this interview on audio or video form wherever you stream your podcast, and on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash beyond the album cover. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash beyond the album cover to stay updated with everything related to the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, fellow Spartan, fellow gamer, forever playing with power, Ike, the retro gamer, a.k.a. Isaac Crumpton. Thank you for coming on to Beyond the Album Cover, bro. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I very much appreciate it. Not, not a problem.